Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. All right, now notice verse 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. The only purpose was a temple was a place to go and meet God, to worship God. You worship God through the medium of the temple, through the medium, uh, the channel of the tabernacle, through the appointed altar of sacrifice. What it was for, for the priest to take man's needs and present them to God. The prophet took God's message and God's word and presented it to man to teach him, to guide him, to encourage him. That was done through the, the temple, through the tabernacle. And that's what happened through the tabernacle uh, of the body of Christ while he was upon this earth. He came to lead God out on the horizon as it's put in the, in, in the original. Making God, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. See, you know, that was, that was something the Jews couldn't, they just couldn't understand, see. And yet that's the ultimate, that's the last. That's the finality of the whole thing. Why? Won't need a temple. What? No need a place to worship? Well, certainly not. Why? Because God is going to be there in person. And we'll be face to, meet him face to face. That's the only thing that, that's, that's the substance of religion. Man's response of his soul and his, and his, uh, desires and aspirations and his cries and all, and all of his, uh, all of his wants is now presented now right in the very person of God. And the verse back to the said says, God, and says, I'll be to them their God and they shall be to me as my son. Just as the Lord Jesus was. Every individual will be put on that basis. No wonder he talks about the 22nd chapter about the paradise and about uh, uh, fruit and uh, feasting and dwelling and eating and no, uh, no sickness forever. See? All right? For he says, saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty. Now, there was a temple. We, we noticed a temple once over here in Revelation. See, there was a temple. But it wasn't, uh, but that was before the passing away of the, of this earth and, 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 and heaven. See. Well, that passed away with it. All religious institutions. Far as buildings concerned, far as this and that concerned, that won't be necessary. Why? Because God is himself. But now notice, and I saw no temple there for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. The Father and the Lamb was on the same throne when John first saw the vision of heaven, when he, when heaven opened and 
And he was caught up. And I'll show you, see. And he saw the throne of God. Alright, here, God the Father and the Lamb are the temple. Why? Because both are the object of worship. See, uh, the Jews protested worshiping Jesus because uh, they, they, well, they said that's blasphemy to worship man. See, Jesus said he hath power and authority on earth to forgive sin. Nobody but God can forgive sin. Well, he can. He said, well, I forgive Is it? It's no, uh, no more difficult to say thy sin to be forgiven than to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. So now they're both, you see, uh, the object of worship here. Now then, notice the perfection. Uh, you've got the perfect glory described in all of this. You've got the perfect temple, God in person, and the Lamb. Now you have uh, uh, light, and the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Well, that's what John preached about him. And John's the only one that preached him as the light, though. See? Certainly he was that, but John uh, 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 received a, uh, a later uh, a manifestation of the revelation of God, uh, of Christ, than and, and was written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, you have uh, expressions that's, that's uh, because John wrote later. And, uh, and the revelation is a continuous process until sometime there's got to be a stopping place. And the only place that you'll find where that stopping place is, is in this 22nd chapter of Revelation. You'd never know that the canon of Scripture was complete if you didn't have the 22nd chapter of Revelation. But now he says, the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine for the glory of God. Now notice the glory of God. Now we beheld his glory. That is, uh, the, uh, the apostles, those that were, uh, saw Jesus in the flesh, beheld his glory. His personal glory. His acquired glory. His mediatorial glory. His glory as the, uh, the mystery of godliness. But now then, it says, the Lamb, the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is a the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now, that doesn't mean that he's revealing something out of it, but what he's doing is like he did back over here in verse 8, when he described, in verse 6 and 7, he described the people of God. Uh, and their blessings throughout eternity. In verse 8, he describes the, the occupants of the second death of the lake of fire, you see. And now, uh, once more, back, uh, now here's what they were in time past. Just as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, such were some of you, but you're washed. And, but he's still referring, reminding them. Um, why? Because he's, he's writing this vision, this vision. And this revelation is to go to the seven churches. This is still given to them, although it's been a long time since we left chapter 3. Instead of this, this is still 
directly sent to those seven churches. And it says, the, uh, verse 25 says, The gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, uh, uh, see, he's right. He's reaching the end. Now, this is what the angel. See, the angel that poured out uh, his bowl upon the earth at God's command. He took John aside, and he carried him upon that high mountain while this city was descending. John saw it as it came down, like a parachute. He was above it, apparently in vision. Saw it coming on down to the earth, you see. And this angel sitting there, uh, his uh, commentary, explained it to him. He said, now, come on, I'll show you. I'll show you the lamb's wife. I'll show you the bride. And that's the eternal state. That's the, that's the hereafter. That's how... God comes down and God's people are the uh, described here in, in this chapter uh, in these uh, on the grandeur of these stones. Now, uh, so, uh, of course, chapter 22, I mean, there was no break there. And he showed me, see, he's still continuing to show him. Yeah, this chapter 22, of course, it's mystery. Unfortunate that it's here, but uh, because usually man will stop there. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Oh, now, where is that throne of God and of the Lamb? Notice back over in verse 24, uh, well, verse 22. Uh, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Now, you see that presence, the Father and the Son. Or now notice also in verse 20, in verse 23, For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Both the Father and the Son in verse 23. They're in verse 22. They're in verse 23. And, uh, and now, uh, in verse, uh, in, in verse, in chapter 22, uh, and verse 1, you have the throne of God and the Lamb. You see. In other words, the dwelling place, the abiding place. Uh, now, the first time John saw uh, the throne of God, the Father and the Son was in heaven. In, in heaven above. Well, that heaven is still there. It's not destroyed. It doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that God doesn't, uh, will not have access uh, to heaven above. There's no evidence that man may have uh, that the redeemed will uh, go to the third heaven, to the the heaven, the abode of God. But now notice, he says, uh, he showed me a pure river of water of life. What is that? All right, that simply means the uh, it simply means salvation. He's simply showing the completion, the perfection, the vastness, all that's included in eternal life. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me the he, uh, I understand to be the same angels, uh, that one of the seven angels that had the seven vials, uh, as he explained to John, he introduced himself to John, 
And uh, so uh, he showed me a pure river water of life. Uh, that's, uh, uh, that's the emblem, the symbol of everlasting life. That's what, uh, that's what Jesus said uh, to the Samaritan woman. That's what on the last day of the feast, you know, when he was speaking, the, the, uh, that, uh, that sermon, uh, John 7 in it, uh, the first part of it tells you what happened on, at the beginning of the feast, tells you, and the middle of the feast, and then on the last day of the feast, he cried with a loud voice. And uh, the subject matter was, uh, was the water of life, which uh, is a term signifying eternal life. And now here is the perfect enjoyment, the final, uh, the how it will be enjoyed and realized uh, throughout eternity. And it came, it was uh, clear as a crystal. There's no muddy, no muddy water in this. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, now verse 2, uh, you, you, the difficulty here in verse 2 is how to visualize this river. Is the river in the middle, in the center of, of the street, so to speak, and on either side you have uh, the tree of life, or do you have the river and, and the, the, the trees in the, in the midst? But we'll we'll read it, and, and you can study it, and, and however you may understand it, uh, whatever uh, will be the best solution, I guess. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river. Now, we're talking about the middle of a street. Now we're talking about a river on either side of the middle of the street. See, the, the streets that's in the middle. Where, uh, there uh, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. This is uh, simply Revela uh, Genesis 1 realized. What would have been and what was evident in the Garden of Eden in the new earth is John Milton uh, had his paradise lost and his paradise regained. And he had some uh, a lot of good thoughts. And he missed the mark on uh, some also. But, uh, but here... Uh, trees, can you visualize a tree? Well, one month it, this tree will have apples. Next month, same tree have oranges. It bears, bear 12 manner of fruits. 12 kinds. If that's the meaning, if that's the way we're to interpret it. Well, every month, not just seasonal, Boy, if somebody could bring out a, uh, a, a delicious peach tree now that it'd bear 12, uh, 12 months out of the year, I'd like to buy some of that. And yielded her fruit every month. 
No. And there was no bugs to get it, no worms to bore in that fruit. It yielded its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Simply a figure of speech denoting uh, that there's no such thing as sickness. Denoting no such thing as want, poverty. But uh, when Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Well, now, that didn't stop in this earth. That didn't stop in this age. That was available. That Paul reminded and, and reminds us that uh, for us to be, uh, uh, to keep that in mind, that uh, God's not going bankrupt. That his fruit tree's not going to take the blight and will. Right? And there shall, uh, and there shall be no more curse. See, in Genesis, why, uh, we had the curse. Now, no more curse. That the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Well, now, they, they didn't serve him very well, very long. In the Garden of Eden. But, uh, again, the throne of God and of the Lamb. Just notice how many times it tells you that God and the Son is going to exist, dwell, live on this new earth. Now, brother, if the new earth means a real, tangible earth like what we've got now, except a renewed, a purged, a pure, a, uh, the earth according to God's own making. Now, if it doesn't mean that, you've got to say that, uh, you've got to do like the amens and say, well, this, this, uh, uh, the earth represents the passing away of Judaism. And we've got a pure religion. And, uh, we've got a new, he- new heaven. Well, that's the gospel. We've got new doctrine. We've got a, we, uh, we've got the pure truth now. Well, now to take, to, uh, arrive at that conclusion, and many men have done it. Many scholars believe that this holy city, this new heaven and this new earth, started with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in his day. And that we are now inhabitants of that of this city that he's talking about. We're now enjoying uh, these blessings. And that uh, under through the gospel age, since the law passed away where the law the Jews did bring lambs, but we don't bring lambs, they said, because we go direct to God through the Lord Jesus. But we still go through the Lord Jesus. But here the Father and the Son are on the throne themselves. And he dwells and the scripture says that and we are his sons and we have no need of the light of that. Why? Because we worship God face to face. We'll do that throughout eternity and serve God throughout eternity. But I can't, I can't uh, place Revelation 21 and 22 in the gospel age. It's yet to come. That's the way I've always heard it. Yeah, well, now, see. Now then, but now, you see, that's what you call spiritualizing, actually, uh, and allegorizing. In other words, it and it's the old simple process. You run into something, uh, say it's already, that, that's uh, just, say it's symbolical, that's figurative. 
state. Well, now we're well, talking. I never could understand Brother Flanagan. As long as I heard that preach, and then you enter into the church and its activities, and and they get mad, cantankerous, all kind of God going on, madness. <laughs> Everything in the world. It wasn't this beautiful picture here. <laughs> most Jeff, thing I ever heard. What you've been talking about right there. But Jeff, they said this was the church. Yeah. Well, I never seen church. Why? No, boy. Uh, this, this is no more tears, no more sorrow. The, the, the man hadn't come. The man hadn't lived. So far, they hadn't had tears and sorrows and pains, the sickness, and death. But there's no imperfection. Right. Oh, this is the eternal. This is a. Now, I'm surprised that uh, at some people even putting this in the millennium. Now, you notice, I in the beginning I pointed out that some people say that this. Uh, is, uh, we're supposed to take, we, we reached the climax when we got to the third verse of chapter 21, they tell us. And now, in verse 9 of 21, we're to take everything that, uh, uh, that's described from verse 9 of chapter 21 on and go back to the millennium. See? Before the, the earth, uh, is judged. Before the, uh, judgment of the great white throne before Satan is judged. See? But I, I can't do that. Now, the reason why they do that is because, well, now then here's, they say, well, uh, here's nations, kings bringing their honor and their glory to it. Well, uh, it, it's not that this is uh, coming out, he's contrasting that the, the, the types of people, the amount of people, the great number of people in the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, that they are of kings and nations of every nation and tribe, just as he's already done uh, many times before. But there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now, you know, when we started in the first lesson, in the uh, introductory, I think we noticed uh, what Revelation is. I tried to, I tried to tell you that when we started studying, we were going to see in this book what Revelation is. That is, it is a prophecy. It is a, a revelation, an unfolding, a, a, a revealing, opening, bringing back the veil so you can see, look into, view, understand things. And then it was an epistle. It was a letter written to these churches. Now, so there's three things you want to, uh, don't ever forget when you come to study Revelation, that it is a prophecy. It is a revelation. Apocalypse. That's why it's called an apocalypse, because it reveals, it, it unveils. And it's an epistle, because it's a letter written to the churches. And who, uh, 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 who is addressed? Who is it written to? The churches, the servants of God. Unto the servants. John, you know, when you, in chapter one, uh, he received his, uh, uh, inspiration, his message from God, from Christ, Christ to the angel, the angel to John, but John to show to his servants. So that's who this letter is written to. Well, uh, why uh, was it written? What is recorded in here? 
Over and over, we noticed in, in this book that the testimony of God, the testimony of Christ, the Word of God, the testimony of Christ, and all things which he saw, or John saw. So the three things, you can sum up what is written in this book. It's either the Word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, or it's those two plus what John saw. John was called up and said, now, now look, see, all right, this is what the angel said. Come, I'll show you. And he showed me, and I saw. And he wrote about what he saw, or what God said, or what Jesus said. The testimony of Jesus. Or the testimony that the apostles and prophets uh, said about Jesus. And, uh, of course, the source of it is the Father, through the Son, through the, uh, through the angel, through the, uh, to, uh, 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 to the servants, to the churches. Now, uh, there's also, in the early, in the beginning, in the first few verses, there was a prophet. Who is going to be profited by it? Who is going to be benefited? Who is going to be blessed by it? Three things. The man that read this book, this book of Revelation, the man that read it, the man that listened to someone read it, the man that heard it, and then the man that keepeth it. The reader, the hearer, and the one that keeps it. Now, if a man don't keep it, man hears it and reads it, and it doesn't make any difference to him. It's the keeping of it is the, is the same thing as in the, as the Lord said, blessed is he that doeth it, not hearers only. But doers of the word. And, uh, now the, the reason, uh, stated three times in this last chapter why it was written to show to the, uh, overcomer, to the churches, what must shortly come to pass. That's exactly what, in the first chapter, in the prologue, in the introduction, why he said, Behold, uh, uh, the Lord said, Behold, I come quickly. In other words, he's writing about things, about one that said he was going to come quickly. All right? In, in verse, uh, in verse 7, he says, I come quickly. In verse 12, Behold, I come quickly. In verse, uh, uh, 20, he which testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. Plus the first time uh, that he said that in chapter 1, you have four times, see, that he uh, emphasizes the uh, the fact as far as God is concerned, is he's coming quickly, possibly soon. Verse 4, I notice verse 4, chapter 22. And, uh, but now let's read verse 3 now to get the connection. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. 
Now, it's going to be hard for a man to, as I said a while ago, to distinguish between the Father and the Son. Here's, here there's, uh, uh, John views them on the throne, both the Father and the Son. That's according to verse 3. Verse 4, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their forehead. In other words, they're branded. They're his. Ownership. And uh, and that's, that's all the brand denotes. It doesn't, uh, uh, you know. But now here you're over in eternity. And you're known of God. And everything that was said by Paul and, and John and others uh, about the uh, eternal security of God's people, well, now you, you, you have it. Uh, verse 5 says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now that's the end of the book of Revelation. That is, that's the end of the Word of God. That's the end of the testimony of Christ. That's the end of the things which John, John saw concerning the Revelation, which was made known to write. Now, from from verse eight through verse twenty-one, we have various and sundry items mentioned. But the primary emphasis—it doesn't mean that these are not. This is not inspired below, because it, it is. But uh, there's the. There's your vision now of, uh, of the chronological events. That's the order of events. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.